Coming to you via the internet and your friends at PipesMagazine.com, it's the Pipes Magazine radio show. One Saturday night I was completely sober, I hugged Kevin Godby and woke up the next day with a hangover. Now I invite you to sit back, relax, the smoking lamp is lit, here's your host, Brian Levine. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Pipes Magazine radio show. Yes, the sometimes irreverent, sometimes educational, but always entertaining weekly pipe smoking broadcast. And I am your host, Brian Levine, coming to you way pre-recorded because, once again, I'm not here. And I wanted to make sure you had a show to listen to and more about that coming up in the rant. Uh, in this week's episode, we have a Ask the Pipe Maker with uh, pipe maker Jeff Grasick. And then my guest is the uh, new owner, well, five years ago, new owner of Wilkie Pipe Tobacco. It's John Brandt, and I got to talk to him and learn about what's going on with Wilkie. So we get the kind of pipe tobacco geeky and a little bit about retail with John. Uh, Music, mailbag, and rant. All that coming up on this week's episode of the Pipes Magazine radio show. Uh, Now, here at the top of the show... I just want to mention that uh, iTunes ratings and reviews are really important, so if you haven't done that for us, we would greatly appreciate that. And the best way to reach out to me is by email, brian, B-R-I-A-N, at pipesmagazine.com, or you can leave a comment on the Pipes Magazine radio show page at uh, pipesmagazine.com, and I'll find it there. Those are the two best ways. Uh, if you follow me on Facebook or Instagram, yes, you can message me there, but it's hard for me to keep track of those messages and get them replayed or reread here on the show. So just the easiest way, Brian at pipesmagazine.com. And uh, remember, <laughs> as I was traveling this week, and, and you'll hear in the rant, uh, if you're traveling anywhere, reach out to me. I'm happy to help you with advice, opinions, you know, you know what to say about advice and opinions. But anyway, I've got a lot. I've got a lot of them and, uh, and I'm the leading expert on my own. So, all right, let's get the show rolling. Everybody sit back, relax, fire up a bowl. Thank you all for tuning in. And here we go. There's nothing quite like fishing at dawn or smoking my genuine Missouri Meerschaum corncob pipe, an American legend since 1869. It's the coolest, smoothest pipe I've ever owned. Check them out at corncobpipe.com. We are back on the Pipes Magazine radio show, and joining us for Ask the Pipe Maker is the pipe maker, Jeff Grasick, maker of J. Allen Pipes and J. Allen Swag. Don't forget the swag, right, Jeff? That's right. You don't want to forget the swag. Yeah, I'm wearing my shirt proudly now. Uh, Jeff, welcome back. I love it. Hey, thanks for having me back. All right, so here's one that I like. Uh, Lewis writes, Hi, Brian. I I continue to really enjoy the show. I really like your seven questions series, both with the experts and novices. There's usually something to take away from all of them. I always like when the listeners lead lead up the questions with how wonderful I am. Uh, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So now that my head's gotten bigger. And you are wonderful, Brian. Oh, thank you. Yes, I'm probably the most wonderful Brian you know. Um, uh, he goes on to say, I do have a question for a future ask the pipe maker. If you find it interesting, 
I have artisan pipes that feature several examples from an individual maker. And I've noticed that one maker's pipes will be extremely lightweight, while another's of similar size will have more heft to them. Despite the weight hmm. differences, they all smoke and taste extremely well. I'm curious if the weight difference is a result of curing methods each individual artisan uses, or if it has to do with the briar's region of origin, and that is where this is this is where I can't wait to hear your answer. Uh, or is it just a random part of nature? And of course, he ends it with uh, patting me on the back. Uh, keep up the great work. I always look forward to Tuesday night, Lewis. Well, Lewis, thank you very much. Oh, I agree with I agree with that last statement. Yeah, and and Lewis lives in North Dakota, so he might be the entire listenership in the state of North Dakota. Wow, well, welcome North Dakota. Yeah, the the entire North Dakota Pipe Club is uh, is calling in on this. <laughs> so let let's pick on. We've talked about weight differences of blocks of wood, and you know, we I remember you you know sun baking one and trying to shrink it and put it on a diet, and you even tried putting it on Jenny Craig, and that didn't work, and slim fast and mm-hmm. you know, and boiling it. Yeah, it doesn't it doesn't like the shakes. Yeah, uh, well, it gives me the shakes. Um, but obviously there are different curing methods that each brought, that each pipe maker may or may not use. And that can vary right. the weight. You know, I've had JT cook on the show and he'll talk about his secret briar curing process that he won't talk about. Uh, leave on Eric, uh, <laughs> who's, you know, who first started making pipes for Sven Erickson when they were coming over on the canoes uh, Lee said, you know, the only hint that he gives to his briar curing process is that he owns a Jeep Wrangler, uh, mm. which leaks oil. That's helpful. That's a good clue. Well, it's a Jeep, so it leaks. Uh, mm. <laughs> are there difference? So you've probably bought blocks of briar from different regions. I, I'm I'm assuming Greek, Northern Italy, Southern Italy, Northern Africa. Are there differences mm-hmm. in the density of the wood, the weight of the wood, the heft? Can that can and and then and then I'll ask you another question about the about the differences. Are there differences between regions? Um, the the truth is, it's doubtful, but we don't really have any ability to directly compare them. And the reason for that, there are several reasons for that. One is that not every briar supplier, briar cutter, who resides in a country gets his wood from that particular country. Um, The other is that the the methods of preparing and curing the briar from each cutter has significant influence on the way that the briar is when it's finished. And so it's difficult to, to discern whether the differences that we might experience between briar from different cutters is because of their process for preparing it or because of the origin that, uh, of, of its growth. And to return to the very beginning part of it, I, I, Mimo is the person I would reference here. Mimo has said, you know, we, uh, I've asked him, oh, your, your briar is Italian. He's like, no, my briar is not Italian. It's, <laughs> it's cured in Italy. Like, what do you mean? What it means is there's a truck 
like let, just we'll just break this down and make it kind of easy. Let's say there's a truck and it has a, a big like a big dump truck and it starts in the south of Spain in these briar forests and there are briar cutters all along the Mediterranean all the way to where he lives in uh, northern Italy. <laughs> and this truck drives all along the border and then briar cutters just give him what they cut and when they get to him, he pays by weight for it, and then he processes it the way that he processes it. Well, they don't—they're not separating it in the truck based on whether they got it, you know, in southern Spain versus eastern Spain versus like the south of France versus um, uh, Italy. It's—it's it's not. There's there's no way to distinguish it that way uh, because, and then it all ends up in the same pit where it waits to be cured. So for those of you that are listening, Jeff and I do this over Skype so we can see each other. So he can see my face of disappointment. <laughs> in that now I'm imagining this, just this big old bowl of, you know, this big old truck full of spaghetti, you know, coming from wherever and all these Algerian wood pipes that are supposed to smoke sweeter than everything. You know, I guess the truck hops over the Mediterranean and, or, you know, that, that stuff's got to come by boat, but yeah, you just right, bursted yeah, yeah. every bubble that I ever had about, you know, the differences in taste of briar from different countries. Well, let's, let's, uh, back up a little bit. So I talked about Mimo in that, like, that's what Mimo does, uh, to my, to my knowledge, but not every cutter works the same way. For instance, um, there's another cutter in Italy, um, and his name is uh, the, the the name of the briar mill is Mono Briar, and they're in Tuscany. And this place not only processes briar, but they're also a sawmill. They produce wood. They harvest and process wood for other uses as well. But they're they're one of the best um, producers of briar, and they actually have their own harvesters who go out in the forests and harvest the briar themselves. And all of their wood is from Tuscany. So. You know, first I described what Mimo does, where it's like, you know, this truck goes and it's not I don't I don't believe that Mimo employs the truck, that it is a an independent contractor that goes along to other independent contractors all along the coast and they harvest on their own and deliver to to, to Mimo and he processes <laughs> it. And Mono, on the other hand, has employees who go out near where his facility is and they dig up the briar and and that's what they use. And that's true for so, so both of these models exist, I guess is what I want to say. You okay. know, sometimes, sometimes you're going to get a mix and other times you're going to get uh, one origin. Have you experienced any slight differences in taste from any pipes? I mean, do you, you do you lick the wood and come up with a different flavor when you're, uh, yeah, I know people lick the wood to see if it's sweet or whatever and, yeah. Mm -hmm. Can you detect any any difference, any any variations? I yes, yes, but let let's just say we're talking extreme cases here. So by and large, the majority of the wood that I get will have a very similar appearance and aroma when it's and and taste. So whether it's from one cutter or another, it'll, it will smell and taste like, you know, for lack of a better word, it tastes like briar. <laughs> there are exceptions to that on the negative side where you, you smell it 
it, from the moment I pick it up, I can look at it, I can feel it, that there's a waxiness to its appearance. There's a, like, it's got a pinkish, more of a pinkish um, color. And when you cut it, it stinks. And I can't, it's hard to really describe the way that it smells, but it, there's a sourness to it. And if I ever get a piece of wood like that, I throw it away. Uh, it's not going to smoke well. It's not going to, and, and I know because I've, I've finished a pipe in one of those. I actually took one. Here's a, a little parenthetical for you. I took one that I shaped and drilled, and then I boiled it myself in my kitchen. And <laughs> the water, because I was curious, I was like, this is clearly not cured properly. And the whole batch that I got from this particular cutter, whom I don't use anymore, this was uh, 15 years ago, uh, came in bad, and I knew something was wrong. So I shaped and drilled this pipe, and I boiled it. And the water within probably 45 minutes was so so red, it was black. Ew. It like went through this pink to red stage, and then it was black. So I emptied the water, put fresh water in, and did the same thing. I had to do it four times before that water was transparent. Wow. So, yeah. yeah. So that would, like, that is what a bad block of briar is. And I threw that entire, like, even as a young pipe maker who didn't have a whole lot of, uh, a lot of margin to do so, I threw that wood away because it wasn't any good. Um, the, and I wasn't going to boil every one of them. <laughs> <laughs> my, my gas bill would have been higher than the cost to replace the briar. Um, <laughs> on the other side, so that's an extreme on the negative side. On the extreme on the positive side, there are some rare cases where you can get a block of briar, and from the moment you cut it, you smell the sweetness in the air. Um, there's something unique about it, and I know like this is going to smoke great. When I say like this is an extreme case, I mean like in my career of making pipes, I've made close, I'm, I'm just past 1,800 pipes. In 1,800 pipes, I've had probably five to 10 blocks that have that smell. So you're talking, and, and they, they didn't have nice grain. They just smelled nice. So, and how many wave grades have you done in your career? I don't know, maybe 18 or 20. Yeah. Okay. So there you go. There's your answer. Uh, Jeff, thank you very mm -hmm. much. You've ruined my, uh, you, you, you busted my bubble and now I'm picturing this truck going along this route on the Southern Mediterranean with a <laughs> bus stop there. And there's guys with bags of briar, just throwing it in there, getting cash. So thank you very much. Yeah, you're welcome. And we'll be back in just a minute. This is internet radio. A Savinelli pipe is a testament to a long legacy, fortified by well-worn hands and destined to be enjoyed for generations. For over 150 years, Savinelli has been dedicated to sourcing the world's finest briar, committed to pushing the boundaries of pipe design, and devoted to the tradition of Italian pipe making. Savinelli is more than a mark. They're a way to help you make your mark. And like you, there can only be one Savinelli. We are back on the Pipes Magazine radio show and joining us for a, uh, for a, a boy, this is a big anniversary year, uh, but joining us from Wilkie Pipe Tobacco is John Brandt. Uh, John, welcome to the show and uh, happy 150th anniversary to you, 
but it's not really your anniversary. It's the Wilkie Pipe Tobacco Company, right? Correct. Yes, it's the uh, the company's uh, uh, was founded in 1872, so it's their 150th year being around. And you are now the uh, the proprietor, head blender, um, mop and bucket brigade of the. I'm uh, the blender, customer service, shipping, uh, everything. Uh, um, you know, which is kind of unique. I mean, it went from the Wilkie family to uh, Carol Burns, uh, and then uh, to me. So it's been entrusted in like three families' hands. So you look at 150 years. That's uh, kind of impressive, but. Uh, to me, it shows how the brand is uh, a quality, uh, you know, product that uh, we've been continuously putting out the same way for 150 years. Yeah, yeah, that's just just amazing. But before we get into uh, into Wilkie, let's get to know you. Where did you Where did you grow up? What did you want to do when you grew up? Did you grow up? Well, I grew up in uh, Pennsylvania, and uh, how I got uh, started on pipes was. Uh, I was reading uh, Jack London's Call of the Wild, and uh, me and three buddies started, uh, we picked up corncob pipes, and I think we started with Captain Black, and we started making our own uh, snowshoes to uh, start walking around in the snow in the wintertime. <laughs> and uh, pipe smoking just stuck with me after that. Uh, uh, for some reason, I never was a big, I never smoked cigarettes. It was either a pipe or a cigar, and... Uh, over the years, I've just enjoyed it, and uh, uh, I think uh, I was in, always in the hospitality business, but uh, I guess about 28 years ago, I opened up uh, a smoke shop here in Fall River, where, um, actually in an uh, old firehouse that was built in 1843, so I kind of like those old antique, you know, uh, things that have been around for a while, and uh, so we've been uh, here for 28 years. Uh, you know, uh, we uh, tobacco pipes, cigars. Uh, so I just, uh, you know, it's I guess something I've always wanted to do. I enjoy the, you know, the people you talk to. Um, even as far as brick and mortar versus uh, internet, I mean, you you get such a tie to people that uh, you just start talking to. I mean, the other guy, what was it yesterday? A guy called me from uh, Illinois. Let me know what the temperature was. <laughs> 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 Wait, were you guys trying to out cold each other? <laughs> it must have been because I, I was like going, you know what? That was kind of funny, but I'm like, you know, you just, they say you don't have that personal touch with the internet, but I, I think it's all in what you, uh, you, you make of it. I mean, uh, I have customers that call me up and, you know, they'll talk baseball and they'll be talking tobacco. What do you think about this flavor? And then, you know, they'll just go on and on. And, uh, you know, it's, it's very, uh, you get to know the person and then, uh, you know, recommending something to them. You know, it's it's more of an, just a, a name or an address you're sending a product to. So I enjoy it. So I, so I bet we have something baseball in common in that uh, one of my favorite baseball teams is whoever's playing the Yankees. <laughs> uh, yeah, actually, I'm a, a San Francisco Giants fan, so... <laughs> Um, <laughs> wow, I got whiplash. I, Hold on. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's kind of odd growing up in uh, Pennsylvania. You, know, you had the Phillies, the Dodgers. I mean, the Phillies and the uh, Pirates and Baltimore down the road. But uh, I've always been a you know a Giants fan since I saw Willie Mays play. You know, <laughs> and, uh, 
<laughs> and yet you live, uh, what, an hour from Fenway Park? Uh, true, not even an hour. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, yeah, it's uh, up here at Boston Red Sox. But it's it's uh it's you got quite a few uh, Yankee fans around here too, so uh, it can get a little uh, testy when it comes to baseball season. Yeah, we yeah we, yeah we don't want to talk to them, because uh, <laughs> I I grew up a Dodgers fan and I just don't yeah the nineteen seventy seven and seventy eight were very hard years for me. That's all I'm mm-hmm. gonna say about it. We'll move on. Uh, so pipe smoking stuck with you for for a while and then you decide to open up a a brick and mortar and you know i was having this conversation recently how does and maybe you can give some tips but how does a brick and mortar survive because you've had it for 28 years now well it's the days that when i started are probably long gone because uh we used to uh get together a couple of friends and we'd go to uh, Providence and uh, go to the cigar shop there. We didn't have one here. And uh, so a buddy of mine was like, I'll help you. We'll, we'll open it. So I came back the next day. I actually walked by the, my building here and uh, signed a lease Monday. Uh, I had a total investment of about 2500 bucks to start. Wow. And um, then we just kept going and going and going. But when I opened, there was um, there was no uh, excise tax, no cigar tax. You know, it was uh, it was it was it was easy to compete with uh, everybody because yeah. you were almost on even kill. I mean, here you know our overhead was light versus someone in Boston or Providence, so we could have a good affordable price, bring in some good product, and it it took me a few years. I think. Uh, we were here five years before we uh, remodeled the store and changed everything around, mahogany cabinets, and we uh, enlarged our walk-in to 28 by uh, 18, something like that. Uh, but over the years now, we're we're at 40% tax, and uh, it's it's uh, it's tough, you know. It's uh, for a brick and mortar, you you really have to work at it. Yeah, and that, but it also is. I I would imagine your uh, your time in the in the restaurant business has helped you with learning how to you know, create an atmosphere where people want to come. Yeah, I mean, uh, it's uh, you're always constantly doing something. Uh, I mean, we used to do a lot of uh, cigar dinners and cigar uh, tastings. Now you really can't do as much. The cities get tough on that, so you're constantly looking to come up with new avenues of how to get people in and uh we're you know we're kind of fortunate here that we do have uh, uh i mean we have uh, probably about 25 chairs so uh we can get a good crowd in on uh the cold nights and then uh in the summertime we have a a, a really nice front porch where people sit outside and just watch the, the world go by so you know we got a good i have a good steady crowd that's always been coming in so fortunate for that they uh they, they must be coming in for something uh so let's talk about i mean I, what kind of I, you you automatically took to pipes and cigars as a uh, as a youngster and now you're not exactly a youngster uh yeah. you're you're in your prime in your middle ages uh like yeah. me 
<laughs> Great self. <laughs> yeah. What was kind of, I mean, how did, so you started off with that corncob pipe, but did you eventually try other pipe brands and kind of move around? Oh, yeah. I uh, I probably was a member of uh, Tinderbox Pipe Club um, when I was uh, 16. Because <laughs> uh, back then, I think you bought six pipes and you got the, the seventh one free at the average. And... Uh, I was, let's see, a lot of uh, GBDs, uh, what else did I, uh, I had a few mushrooms I got, I, I know uh, I uh, spent quite a bit of uh, my uh, money working in restaurants when I was a kid uh, on pipes and cigars, and uh, the guy I used to always go into would be like, ah, oh, this is a nice gift for your father, I said, my father, I worked hard to get this, I said, this is mine, <laughs> he just looked at me and like, you know, but uh, I always enjoyed uh, sitting back after working and having a, a good cigar or a good pipe. And, uh, you know, uh, I uh, used to watch my my dad in the uh, summertime out in the garden. And he would just have the hose and a pipe and enjoying life like nothing, you know, yeah. existed. Everything just went back to being even kill and the world was good. But. <laughs> uh. so I kind of enjoy sitting back and just remembering the old days and enjoying a good pipe and, uh, you know. Yeah. All right, let's take a break right here. When we come back, we'll get into the history of Wilkie and some of the tobaccos and uh, more with John in just a minute. Have a look in your tobacco cellar. What do you see? Think of what you smoke what you age, what you're drawn to in a blend that keeps you wanting more. That's your taste, and whether you know it or not, you've been leading that expedition since you first picked up a pipe, just by smoking what you like and liking what you smoke. But the funny thing about taste, it changes, and you need a wide selection to accommodate it. We at Smoking Pipes know this, and you know it too. So whether you're searching for a tried and true favorite or a singular boutique mixture, we're here to help you navigate the voyage of your evolving tastes. But you're still at the helm, smoking pipes in faithful service of the hobby. We are back on the Pipes Magazine radio show visiting with uh, John Brandt of Wilkie Pipe Tobacco and uh, and Pipes and Pipe Repair. So we'll get into all that. But, John, just give us just give us the, the history of the Wilkie name because it's 150 years old this year. Yeah. Um, well, it started in 1872 from uh, Edwin Wilkie. Um and I guess back then in New York, uh, they were they were quite big, because uh, I know looking back over the uh, the times, we have a lot of uh, recipes from smaller shops like Pipe and Pouch. Uh, they'll have different addresses, even from Florida. He had purchased uh, Old McDonald, but I guess his biggest purchase was in 1900 when um, Duke Cigarette started buying all the uh, cigarette manufacturers and. Yeah. Uh, Serberg was a uh, cigarette and pipe tobacco company, and um, Wilkie ended up buying them. 
which uh, they started in 1856, which we still have our Crystal Palace, which follows the same recipe as uh, 1856. And uh, so there's a lot of old blends that just continue through the years. Uh, the early part uh, from 19 to the, uh, the 50s, I'm not too... I know uh, we had uh, sitting presidents going in the Wilkie, um, Walter Conkright. Uh, I know one customer called me up, and uh, uh, he used to uh, get tobacco for uh, General MacArthur, <laughs> and uh, which he was uh, his uh, job was driving a, uh, a lawyer around who was friends with the family of the uh, MacArthur. So uh, he used to take Mrs. MacArthur out to make sure you know she was entertained while he was away. And uh, he had said to her, I admire your husband's pipes. And she's like, oh, you've got tons of them. I'll bring one into you. But the only thing for the, the poor guy was uh, General MacArthur had passed away that week. So he said, I could never, you know, it didn't feel right asking her for a pipe after he passed on. I'm like, yeah, that's a shame. But, I mean, it's you hear all the stories of walking in and seeing Walter Conkright sitting there. And, uh, you know, and then the sisters took it over for quite a while and they yeah. were very uh, 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 motivated with I mean uh, they're in I, I guess the way they uh, they attacked the business I mean it was from uh, they, they just looked like they were they were very they prolific were very promoters of yeah it. they were they're very customer oriented and uh, seemed to know what every customer wanted I mean because uh, uh, we even now have a uh, uh, card catalogs where it'll have a name on it and i guess back in their days they used to really uh you know you would be tom jones calling in and they'd be like okay boom 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 they'd make it up put it in a tin put your name on it and uh ready to go um then i guess uh they you know got quite up in age in the 80s and um that's when carol burns came in and uh they directed the bookie till uh what uh 2017 yeah like that. that's when we took over so yeah so you've got i mean you've got blends that go all the way back to the back to the beginning kind of and you, you must have a blend catalog that is just incredible oh yeah we have a huge folder of uh blends that uh some of it's kind of hard and you can't get the tobacco anymore right. uh like uh it's hard getting condor over here a lot of recipes have that in it uh but basically uh most of my blends it's kind of easy because i just open it up and um because our anniversary blends coming out the only one that's going to be new that uh isn't in the catalog is the one that i'm making for uh uh edwin uh, we're doing something with uh, virginia and perique that we um we only have one Virginian Preak blend on our um, portfolio, uh, which is different. It's a uh, Lizzie Blood Red. Uh, we add a little um, blood topping to it, uh, orange. Ooh. Gives it that different taste. Because uh, everybody has a, uh, you know, Virginia Preak. So I wanted yeah. to do something that was uh, different. And uh, being Fall River, where Lizzie Borden, uh, <laughs> I don't know if you know that story, where took an axe and chopped her parents up and stuff. And uh, so we just uh, continued off of that on that uh, 
the name. <laughs> wait, but, uh, wait, wait a second. So it, that's where that all took place? <laughs> yeah, yeah. The uh, Actually, the Lizzie Borden house is uh, two blocks away from the shop here. Mm. All right. So don't. So so maybe sleep out of town and come into town to visit. <laughs> yeah. It's it's. We still get. Uh, it's it's a it's a gorgeous uh, bed and breakfast now. People <laughs> come for the uh, the tour and. Uh, but even if you like the it's it's set in uh, what is it 1890. So I mean it has. Uh, if you like the 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 old uh, historic part of. Uh, You'd love visiting it, not just for the murder or mystery. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. Um, back to something cheerful like pipe tobacco. Because <laughs> I really, you know, I often told people, I said, you know, I'm not afraid of people breaking into the house. I'm afraid of the people that live in the house with me. Um, that's a perfect example. Um, so with all your with your blends, I mean, you've got a you've got this vast array of of blends, and you and you keep them all in stock. And is, but I would imagine also that, like you said, getting blending components can sometimes be a problem for you. Oh yeah, I mean, uh, we've um, even in a short time that, uh, uh, but we've been five years, uh, and that five years, McCullen, who used to have one of the best Red Virginias. Which we used to purchase off of them, uh, that went by the wayside. You can't find a good Red Virginia anywhere anymore. So we had uh, two blends that went the wayside on that. We just could not. Uh, and you can't find something that's going to be close, or you get too many complaints. It's better just to say goodbye to it. You know, I I don't like to see something that's, you know, not up to standard where, it's, you know, people expect from Wilkie. You know, so that's why we've discontinued those two. Uh, but, yeah, it could be tough. Uh, you know, if you have a hurricane right now, uh, Perique is hard to get. Uh, there might be a back order on that coming this uh, spring, some people have said. So, you know, you're always looking out, trying to keep stock. And uh, if there's uh, another, you know, another blend of tobacco that's close, you try and keep that stocked up, too, just to make sure you have enough to, you know, keep the blends going because we started uh uh when we took over we had 28 blends and uh now we're up over 80 counting so we're always uh bringing something back and you mentioned something before that i want to touch on which is you you talked about condor mm -hmm. uh so wilkie they would have been buying condor which is a finished blend and then what would they do? Break it up and mix it into the into another blend to or add they, it to a they blend? Break it up, add it into uh, different uh, blends and stuff. Yeah. So, I've uh, I can't remember the last time I smoked it, so I really don't uh, remember what the, the taste of it is. So, uh, I just never, you know, it you can get it, but uh, it's just expensive to get it. So we just haven't brought any of those blends back. Yeah, because I mean that's not cheap to buy somebody else's finished tobacco, then bust open no. the tin or the packaging, and stand there and rub it all out and mix it in partially into what would be a normal. Yeah, normally you yeah. just buy a bulk tobacco and sprinkle and, and do that. Right. I mean, uh, most of uh, which 
surprising because most of uh if you look at our recipe book i mean it uh we have uh how to uh day one on latakia what to do uh burley i mean they took the a raw product and made it uh a maryland burley um a virginia shag you know yeah uh, it just the space i don't know the space they must have had was uh <laughs> must have been pretty big because uh i, I could never do that <laughs> you know take from a well today it's the You'd be in a different uh, licensing category, and you'd have to have FDA and everything else uh, license to do that. Where being a blender, you don't need uh, the extra license and stuff. Yeah, boy, that's all right. All right, and run us through just so that for somebody that's brand new to the Wilkie catalog, somebody that goes to your website, uh, what are some of the some of the best sellers or your more recommended tobaccos in the different genres? Well, I would say if you started with the aromatics, you would probably uh, one nine one, which is a uh, just a blend of uh, Cavendishes that uh, gives you that honey vanilla taste. Uh, the five fifteen, I mean, that is like on fire now since Peterson came out with the uh, Basil Rathburn. Uh, pipe again uh that's always a popular one um we do uh vermont maple always a steady one um we came up with uh, a peanut butter Ooh. Um, i worked with that with uh jim amish yeah and uh it, it took us a while to get that uh to where we wanted to to have it especially when we did peanut butter and chocolate because we wanted it to be like you were biting into a Reese's peanut butter cup. Oh. And it pretty much is right on the mark. It took us about seven tries to get it that way. Um, but then if you, uh, off the aromatics, I would say uh, Crystal Palace. It's like a medium all-day uh, English blend, light. Uh, if you want a little more full-bodied, uh, hi-hat. That's a uh, really generous portion of... Uh, Latakia. Uh, we just added uh, a new one, Wall Street, which is a very popular one. That's um, three blends of uh, uh, Burley, and then we add a, a good amount of Perique. So uh, if you like Perique, that's a that's a great one. Oh, a Perique and uh, Burley. Yeah. And uh, what else is a? Uh, All right, uh, you know. Uh, well, let's go back for a minute because with when uh, if you're working with Jim on a blend, I would imagine he's got a palate like nobody else's. He picks out flavors that I sit there and go, I can't find them. But you know, I'm not a super palate like he like his. When yeah. you're when you're working on a blend, are you making like three or four different versions and then taste testing them to see how they work? Yeah, when I uh, when we put together a blend. Unless it's one of the old recipes, mm-hmm. uh, normally I'll just do uh, one shot, send it down, and then we might tweak it a little. But normally, the old blends, we don't have to do too much. It's when you get into the new stuff, like the, the, the peanut butter. We did uh, uh, not enough, too much. You know, um, you know, uh, do we want to add uh, a little of this tobacco, a little less of this? So, you know, to get it right, um, you know, it can it can take you a while. And uh, Jim does have that, uh, you know, 
palate, I'm like going like, you, you like write the romance novels for tobacco. <laughs> yeah. <I'm> like, <laughs> I'm like, but yeah, because everyone's always sometimes goes, yeah, Jim's always giving you a four. I go, yeah, but you don't see the uh, the stuff that he doesn't like. I go, well, we don't put something out uh, just to put a tobacco out. I go, we want it to be, you know, right there, you know, at least a three and a half to, you know, we're not going to always get fours, but, you know, I'm like, I don't want to put something out that's not going to be a quality smoke, you know? Yeah. Because um, he'll be like, you know, the big companies, they'll just, oh, we got this. How do you like it? I know you still tell them no, you know, but they still put it out and they still sell tons of it. But for me, I just can't see putting a blend out that, uh, you know, you, I could say that's that's my blend. It's, you're going to like it, you know. Well, I mean, not everybody might like uh, some of my blends. They might say, oh, you know, it could be this way, you know. But um, we we try to use the best quality we can find and, um, you know, Hopefully our customer service is, is good to everybody, you know. We <laughs> I th- try to get all of our product and stuff out on a timely basis. Just being a one-man show sometimes can be a little little tough. I think that goes back to your uh, restaurant your restaurant business time because I always, I always laugh when the restaurant business, I want to walk in. When I go into a restaurant, I want to ask them, all right, what do you have on your menu that really sucks? Yeah. <laughs> what shouldn't you be selling on this menu? <laughs> yeah yeah everybody says oh our specialty is this and this is our featured item well what's wrong with the other stuff <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> yeah i always kind of ask you know uh what what do you you, you like aromatics i said you know what what don't you like and they're like uh and then i start out like nothing raspberry i said okay we can go from there you know or i don't like anything cherry and uh, they'll be like, oh, nougat, chocolate, oh, you know. Then they'll start looking over and they'll, they'll take a, like a sampler pack and then call me back later and like add to it and see what else might be new. And, uh, you know, it, uh, yeah, <laughs> try to stir them in the right direction. So the uh, the website is Wilkie, com. In addition to the pipe tobaccos, you've got a full line of pipes, and uh, you've got tin tobaccos. You offer repairs, and you know, so it's basically you're a full service shop. Um, what's the name of the brick and mortar? So that if people are in the, uh, how do you describe it? Southeastern Mass, Southeastern Mass uh, area. Yeah, Southeastern Mass. We're uh, it's the old firehouse smoke shop. Uh, we're. Um like uh, 14 miles uh, heading out to the Cape from Providence. And Newport, uh, which is uh, to the south of us, is about 20, 20 minutes. And then Boston, the outside, is like 40 miles away. So it is a nice area. I mean, we could be in the, uh, the White Mountains in an hour and a half. Uh, the ocean is five minutes away, you know. So, I mean, it's a, it's a nice location. Yeah, so if you're in the area, stop by. Uh, I would assume you can you sit and smoke in the store. Ah, uh, yes, yeah, we have a uh, you know seating section and all that. People come in. Uh, we do have a a, uh, a chapter in the uh, Sherlock Holmes Pipe Club. Uh, we have a chapter down here, uh, which has been tough with the COVID. Uh, yeah. You know, it's tough to get a group together to have a 
a smoke. Everyone's always a little leery. So, uh, you know, that's slowly coming back together. Uh, people getting back out. <laughs> but, yeah, on our, our, our website, we've been, uh, you know, our Wilkie tobacco is our main focus, but we have been trying to be, uh, you know, offer more, you know, like we've added uh, tins. We're always growing our tin selection. Uh, Peterson Sabinelli, we have a full selection of. We're looking at bringing rat tray pipes back in. Um, we've just added uh, a cigar section. Um, we don't uh, stock the, the, there's nothing wrong with the ordinary cigars, but we try to stay away from Macanoodles, those kind of things. They're mm -hmm. more limited products, so you might uh, try our cigars, and uh, they might only be on for a week because we might only get uh, a certain number of them. <laughs> um, so, you know, and I think we're adding uh, uh, our own line of uh, coffee. Ooh. Uh, we have somebody doing coffee for us, so we're going to have uh, four different blends of Wilkie coffee. So we're mm. working on having a 150-year a uh, pipe. Uh, that's in the work right now. So that will probably come out uh, uh, probably somewhere around uh, June, July. So, so you, are, in the works. you are busy. That's all <laughs> with all that stuff. You are absolutely busy and it's nice that you can also go on there. You can order pipe tobacco, a tin or two of your favorite yep. and a couple of cigars and do it all in one shot. Yeah. It's, it's, it's nice. I had a guy from uh, Ohio. He was out here with his wife on vacation, uh, made it a point to stop in. Um, and there's a, a guy in Mr. Connecticut that'll order and uh, he'll say, oh, save it, John. I'm driving up. Uh, I want to pick up my tobacco and uh, we're a big Portuguese area. So, you know, the, the Portuguese bakery and cheeses and stuff. You know, a lot of people come up here to, you know, get the odds and ends that you can't get every, everywhere. So um, it's a good drawing point. So, you know, look them up, you know, so it's nice to, to meet people that you talk to all the time. So, Bring your wife, stay at the Lizzie Borden bed and breakfast, and, uh, you know, us guys go hide at the smoke shop while the wives go do something, and, it, yeah, it sounds yeah. perfect. Uh, yeah. Yeah. John, we will wrap this up with the Fast Five final questions. No right answer, no wrong answer, just whatever comes to your mind. Are you ready? I'm ready. What is your favorite pipe? My favorite pipe would be a Peterson Zulu. What shape number is that? Do you know? Uh, I'm not quite sure the shape number of it. I know it was a St. Patrick's Day, uh, I think 2015. Okay. And it actually did not look like it was going to be my favorite pipe, but after I started smoking it, it's my to-go-to pipe every time. And <laughs> I'm, I don't really like to bent, but for some reason this pipe, I just fell in love with it and smoke it all the time. And what is your favorite tobacco? Uh, right now, uh, Crystal Palace. I like the uh, the uh, heavier tobacco, but it's not too heavy where uh, you get a tongue bite and the black cavendish kind of smooths it down and uh, the Virginia sweetens it up. So it's a nice, it's a nice all day smoke. And what is your favorite drink? Favorite drink would be uh, any good bourbon. There you go. When it's time to relax, do you prefer a book, a movie, or music? Uh, I would say I prefer a book, book, but 
I, it's it's tough sitting in for a book, so a movie. Yeah, yeah. With everything you're doing, I would imagine at the end of the day, you just want to sit there and and just completely relax. With, yeah, yeah. And then finally, do you have a favorite pipe smoking related memory? Mm, my favorite memory, I would probably say uh, getting to have a smoke a pipe with my grandfather on the front porch of uh, his house uh, when I was probably nineteen. Wow. Um, my grandfather was a big pipe smoker, uh, and he'd sit out on the porch. And uh, that's one thing I always wanted to do was have a pipe with him. And uh, I did get to do that. So that was uh, probably one of my best pipe memories. Yeah. John Brandt, WilkiePipeTobacco.com. Thank you for everything you're doing. Thanks for coming on the show. Oh, thanks for having me. Good time. And we'll be back in just a minute. Being at the forefront of craft tobacco production for over 20 years, we've been involved in some rather interesting projects at Cornell and Deal. From the Cellar Series to the Small Batch Project, we're extremely proud of how far we've come. So moving forward, we wanted to take it back to basics, and that's what the Burley Flake Series is all about. Burley is an underrated varietal, but there is a ton of nuance there. Using various condimental tobaccos to accentuate different aspects of the air-cured leaf, each blend in this series is intended to showcase different individual subtleties inherent to Burley. It's a simple concept, one that I think really speaks to the essence of what we do at C&D, as a crew of folks who just love tobacco. It's also really good. Cornell & Deal's Burley Flakes series, wherever fine tobaccos are sold. This is Internet Radio. And we are back on the Pipes Magazine radio show. Uh, head on over to WilkiePipeTobacco.com and check out everything that John's doing and uh, keeping that 150-year-old history going and going strong. All right, for music, uh, friend, pipe maker, pipe smoker, guitar player, Jody Davis. Newsboy's new album is out. The album is called Stand, and this is the title track. Who will I be when trouble comes calling for me? Will I live the way I believe when I'm backed up against the wall? What kind of heart do I have in my chest? Does it beat for my savior or just for my flesh? What will I do in the moment that everything falls? I'm gonna stand in a world that's breaking stand for a truth unchanging. I'm not ashamed. Consider the cost I'll stay right here At the foot of the cross And stand They can call me a fool Or stubborn for following you For trusting without any proof But I've seen you here through it all So what kind of person do I? Am I committed to you or 
what will I choose the second that everything falls? I'm gonna stand in a world that's breaking sin for a truth Jody in there with the uh, harmonies and some background vocals. So again, Newsboys, the new album is Stand, and it's available for download, streaming, and all those other things, so uh, go get it. And if you have a comment or question, email it directly to me, Brian, B-R-I-A-N at PipesMagazine.com or post it on the Pipes Magazine radio show page on PipesMagazine.com. Now, obviously, because we are way pre-recording this, more on that in the rant, uh, let me just say I've got a couple of, had a couple of comments that I was holding on to and uh, thinking about and trying to fit into the show. So here they come. Uh, We're going to do them right here. And uh, Gregory Evans writes, uh, Dear Mr. Levine, my name is Greg Evans. I'm a senior in college and a budding pipe smoker for one plus years. Since picking up the pipe and listening to your show, I loved learning about the blends and the many varietals that go into into them to make a good smoke. As a botanist and a biochemist, I take great interest in plant life and all the processes involved in making tobacco smokable. Today I'm writing you as I would like very much to participate in growing tobacco or at least working for a pipe tobacco company. Uh, considering your industry experience, I was hoping you could maybe point me in the right direction. While normally I would consult Google for my quest, I've found more anti-tobacco information than anything. Anyways, any information or advice would be greatly appreciated. Thank you for hosting such an entertaining show. I look forward to listening to it over a bowl every week. Well, Greg, thank you very much. So, growing tobacco... Uh, let me, let me give you two, we'll break it down in two parts, growing tobacco and working for a pipe tobacco company. Um, growing tobacco, if you don't live in the tobacco growing regions of the Carolinas, Virginia, Tennessee, Kentucky, that's pretty much where most of them are grown here in the U S uh, you're not going to learn much because the tobacco growing world is very secretive, 
closed, quiet. Uh, in fact, I've been reaching out to a couple of old timers in the tobacco on the tobacco leaf side just to get them to come on. They're retired. Wanted to get them to come on and try to tell their stories. They won't do it. All right. That's how that's that's the way they are. Uh, they won't do it. So if you want to learn how to grow tobacco, uh, the best thing is trial and error. Now, I will warn you real quick. If you are attempting to grow your own tobacco at home, please check with your state laws on the amount of tobacco you are allowed to grow yourself. Those are heavily regulated. And I know here in the state of North Carolina, if you grow 50 plants or more, you are a tobacco farmer and thus open to a whole bunch of regulation. If you uh, grow 49 plants, you are not a tobacco grower. So there you go. Uh, so do that. And, you know, good luck learning how to tie the hands and hang them. There may be some... Uh, some people that have worked in tobacco fields that you might be able to reach out to that would talk you through it, but I guarantee you none of them are going to put it in writing. Uh, if you want to work for a tobacco company, a, uh, for a pipe tobacco manufacturer, uh, best thing is get some time in some retail and work your way up. Learn the business from the retail side. Uh, reach out to, uh, here in the U.S., reach out to Cornell and Deal and reach out to Sutliff. Those are the only two that are manufacturing tobacco here in the United States on any kind of scale. So that would be my best, uh, my best advice. Reach out to them. All right. And the second one is from uh, Palin, uh, better known as Umber Piper. Uh, and he wanted me to give advice on how to get a friend off of cigarettes and onto the pipe. And here's what I did, and I did it uh, going on five years ago. Um, yeah, a little bit over five years ago. So cigarette smoking is an addiction of nicotine, and pipe smoking is more of a pleasure device. However, I still get nicotine from smoking my pipe. It's inevitable. And what I did with the pipe was I just said, okay, no more cigarettes. I do hand roll two cigarettes in the morning, one with each cup of coffee. And now as I've gotten to, as I've lowered my dependency on nicotine, I smoke them more like a cigar or a pipe than I do like a cigarette. And the same thing with the pipe. So you actively go from inhaling the pipe, inhaling the smoke and over six months or a year, you get to the point where you don't have to inhale at all. Uh, the other thing that I can suggest to anybody that is trying to get off of cigarettes and just go to the pipe completely is, you know, maybe some of the nicotine gum. That, that nicotine gum will help take the edge off of the nicotine desire, and you just have to retrain your mind to think, all right, I'm not inhaling. That's not what I do anymore. I'm just going to puff on the pipe blow the smoke right back out. I'll get a little nicotine from doing that. And if I need a nicotine boost yeah, in the first six months or so to, to curve those urges, use the nicotine gum or some sort of nicotine replacement. That's what I did. And it really, and it really, it worked. All right. So there's my thoughts. Uh, it'll take some time to cleanse the cigarettes out of your palate. What does help 
during those nicotine urges and that palate cleansing of the cigarettes out is uh, drinking a lot of water. Again, comments, questions, email me, brian at pipesmagazine.com, and uh, rant time's coming up next. This is Phil Morgan, General Manager of Missouri Meerschaum Corncob Pipes in Washington, Missouri. Our mission since 1869 has been to produce great smoking pipes that anyone can afford. We guarantee our pipes won't be your most expensive, but they just might be the ones you smoke the most. At Missouri Meerschaum Company, we don't just sell our corncob pipes. We grow them, make them, and smoke them. Missouri Meerschaum, Washington, Missouri, since 1869. state of affairs of the world yeah i'm uh, i have i have a trip coming up i'm leaving that's why i'm recording this on the monday night a week before it comes out but the reason i'm recording it early is because we are flying back on monday and i just didn't want to have to worry about missing our flight or having flight delays or having any problems like that and you guys not have a show now, I'm not patting myself on the back at all. No, I am, you know, not not really, but I am saying that in uh, in these days and times, we've got to make sure and plan ahead and be prepared for stuff. So we recorded this show over a week in advance just to make sure that it was in the bag and all done, and I didn't have to worry that, you know what, if we got back on... Tuesday afternoon that I had to rush home and put together a show real quick. Just wanted to make sure, get it out there, get it pre-recorded, get it done. And odds are, you know what? Flight won't get canceled, won't be any delays, won't be any problems. Odds are we'll get home and I'll be here on, I'll be home Monday night. And then on Tuesday, this show will come out and you know what? I'll have a week off, I guess, or whatever. I'll be able to, I'll be able to deal with jet lag. So there you go. Uh, I do know of some other podcasts that uh, kind of took the Christmas holidays off. Uh, none in none in the pipe world, but I'm just saying, you know, other podcasts. You know, you can you can pre-record stuff and not take a week off. I don't care if your show normally comes out on Christmas Day. Just pre-record it and put a show out. You know, it's not that hard. Trust me, I know. If I can do it, it's not that hard because I've done it several times to make sure that shows were done on time. Uh, anyway, just make sure you plan ahead. All right, comments, questions, email me, brian at pipesmagazine.com. Thank you very much to Jeff Grasick for joining me. Thank you to uh, John for all he's doing with Wilkie Tobacco. And until next time. about the clouds when we're together just sing a song and think about sunny weather
Tell bum, me bum, 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 again. <laughs> you ever been in a cockpit before? No, sir. I've never been up in a plane before. You ever seen a grown man naked? <laughs>